0: Welcome to episode 58 of 2, 5, and 10. Some, some things happening today in the NHL. Benny, what's going on? Not too much.
1: Got some breaking news out in New Jersey, if there's still anybody that cares. Um, yeah, we can get into it right away. Uh, Corey Schneider placed on waivers for the purpose of being assigned to the AHL, effectively ending his time in New Jersey, I would assume, and possibly as an NHL goaltender. Uh, could have saw this coming from the last couple of years of his production in New Jersey. Um, is this one of the worst trades in recent memory? Just because of uh, the first round pick that went to Vancouver ended up with Bo Hovrat. So what do you think?
0: I just think it sucks because when they made that trade... Schneider was worth the hype. Like he was earning that money, and I thought it was a fair trade both ways. And I mean, Lou Lamorello, he made that move for a reason. Obviously, I know Lou's not there anymore, and Schneider is now on his way down to the AHL. At the same time, it's like he had the injury all last year. Definitely unfortunate. It seemed like this was the year he was finally coming into things healthy. It was a turnaround year. It's going to be a bounce yep. back year. And then if he actually could have performed, then when you look at it, I think it's like, holy crap, you, you get the old Corey Schneider back and you still have Blackwood. But now it's like it didn't work out. The same time, though, too, 0-4-1 in the net this year. But they also didn't give him shit for goals like they did not score when it came to him being in the pipes and whether they just weren't confident in him the other way or maybe you get nervous and it's like, all right, we have to play a really good defensive game th- today to win one. Whatever it is, scratch it. I mean, the devil's currently rolling right now. But in regards to your question of it, if it was the worst, I don't think it's the worst. Just I just say it's like an unfortunate thing like because c- it wasn't like you drafted him and he was a complete bust like you got at that Never point did. like what you paid for you, you it was the fair and equal return and then what happened on the other end was the unfortunate part
1: yeah i mean he had three pretty good years in new jersey for three years with the devils uh starting in 2013-14 uh Three straight years 1.97, 2.26, 2.15 goals against average, Nine two one, nine two five, nine two four 925, save percentage. 2016 and 2017 were two average to below average years, and there were really no significant health concerns, at least in 2016 and uh, season there. Last season, like you said, I expected to have a bounce back in terms of at least being a decent one one A goaltender in National Hockey League. I didn't think he would get back to where he was in Vancouver or early in New Jersey. But oh one and one, five point five goals against average in the last two games, four point five nine for the year, eight fifty two save percentage. I don't know if it's just something where he's not going to be able to fully recover from that injury or it's just going to take a little bit longer over time. But I doubt anybody's going to claim him, obviously. And I doubt anybody's going to make a trade for him. I think he's just going to be one of those guys that's going to be buried in the minors for the next two and a half seasons. He has $6 cap hit for the remainder of this season, next season, and is age 35 years. So by the time he becomes a free agent, he's going to be 36 years old anyway. He's probably going to be out of the
0: league. Another thing, too, is they bring up Louis Domingue. Uh, He was the backup last year in Tampa Bay, and... I've liked Domingue for years. I I thought he was going to be better than he's been. But at the same time, when you talk about a backup goaltender and confidence, obviously the kid's going to be on a high being back in the NHL coming up from the AHL. But when you look at it the other way, too, is he going to be as effective as he should be? Because the, there was times last year where he laid complete shitters, and thank God he had that Tampa <laughs> Bay lineup around him. Yeah.
1: I mean, for me, it boils back down to what you touched on in the beginning. The Devils have the second-worst offensive production in the entire Eastern Conference this year, just ahead of the Columbus Blue Jackets. Uh, I know they're right in the same area as the Red Wings. That's not going to fly for a team that was built on their, basically their top six and their top three defensemen, three or four defensemen. And they obviously haven't been getting that offensive production. I know they've blown a ton of late leads. And that goes back to goaltending uh, with Shinder's struggles. And even Blackwood hasn't played that well overall to start this year, 904C percentage. So I think New Jersey's going to be one of those teams, unless Blackwood starts turning it around. I know he's played well the last two games uh, he's been in. I think if I'm the Devils, I'm calling up Arizona asking, what is it going to take you at Antiranta?
0: Interesting. And they'll probably say, hey, you don't really plan on re-signing Taylor Hall, do you?
1: <laughs> well, hey, they, listen, it looks like they're committed to Kemper and goal, and uh, side note, good for him for getting into the practice a little bit over the weekend. That was uh, awesome. Yeah, against the Flames. But yeah, they're committed to him. I think Granta is a free agent this summer, so maybe we will trade him for a second, third-round pick just to get something in return. And uh, New Jersey can just kind of gamble and see if him and Blackwood can turn the season around for him and
0: goal. Yeah, very interesting to see where it goes from here. Like I said, the whole doming thing, if that doesn't work out, then you're in a really tight spot. So let's see what uh, Ray Shiro has up his sleeve. He had a uh, summer full of moves, so let's see if he can keep it going during the regular <laughs> season.
1: Uh, What was the uh, goaltender in Pittsburgh, like a four-string guy to play like a handful of games a few years back under Shiro?
0: Was like Terry or something? Oh geez, they had a. I know last year it was Tristan Jerry, Casey to yeah. Smith. they, they had a whole laundry yeah. list. Yeah. Uh maybe you can give him a call. Uh, uh, he may be available, you never know.
1: Moving on, just uh this gonna be a quick hit, quote unquote. Uh the Matt Calvert situation in the Avalanche Canucks game, uh over the weekends, he took a slap shot from I think it was Pedersen, basically to the side of the head, uh, immediately fell to the ice, was bleeding from his head, and play continued uh, for it felt like 30, 45 seconds because the Canucks had quote-unquote possession of the puck. They ended up scoring a goal in that play, and that really pissed off the avalanche. Eric Johnson uh, is definitely getting fined, if he hasn't been already, for what he said after the game about the officials. So I know what the rule says, but there is some wiggle room for referees to have their own interpretation of if they want to blow it or play dead in case there's a serious injury. Do you think that should have been blown dead, or do you see Canucks with possession and you've seen players before that have kind of milked injuries to try and get the whistle blown and the referee just
0: swallowed the whistle on that one? Yeah, that one was tough, and I tell you why, because Calvert plays hard. He, he's always played hard. He's always been that kind of guy. So he blocks the original shot. Well, before that, kudos to him in the sense of giving everything you got to block a shot because he's there one on one with Pedersen. Pedersen makes this fake to the inside. Calvert goes for it. Pedersen does this toe drag. Now he's going to wind up and shoot it. And Calvert drops backwards to get in the way of that to stop it. Yeah. L- like, legitimately, like laying your body on the line to get in the way of it. So kudos to him for doing that. Next, you see him get hit and he drops. He's moving a little bit at first. But when you see him try to get up and then he kind of plops right back down, you know everybody else on the ice knows, the official knows, these are hockey players. Like, it, it takes a lot to get a hockey guy hurt. And for one to try to get up and fall right back down, that's when you know something's going on and you could even see it on the Vancouver players at first. It's almost like I forgot who gets it on the half wall, but he's kind of there dancing back and forth a little bit. Cause he didn't know if he should pass it or shouldn't pass it. And then when they see Calvert move a little bit, then they go and they kind of start winging it around, but they don't see the second one where he falls right back down on his stomach. So if I'm Vancouver, Yes, I absolutely play that puck until the ref blows a whistle. Because G- hockey isn't like soccer where, oh, shit, the guy went down, we can kick it out of bounds, and then they'll give us the puck right back. Like They're not going to say, oh, yeah, take a free draw on our end and fucking tee it off at the point. Like th- That's not the way it's going to work. So I understand both sides of it. Is it ugly? Yes. Do, do you want that full Eric Johnson quote? I got tee it teed up right yeah, here. Yeah, go ahead. All right, we have here, it's a fucking joke, man, and I've talked about it already. Uh, You want to protect the guy. The guy's got a family at home. He's laying there bleeding out of his head, and they don't blow the fucking whistle. It's a complete joke. It's an absolute joke, and they should be ashamed of themselves. So, very harsh, very stern. Calvert definitely bleeding from the side of the head. It kind of just looks ugly all over the place, because, like I said, you have the tough will of a hockey guy who's going to try to get up where maybe in that situation, he's better off just laying down and then they'll blow something dead. Yeah. And he even tried to get up towards
1: the end when he realized the whistle wasn't happening. He kind of looked around and tried to figure out if he can do something.
0: Yeah. And I think it comes to that mentality. He wants to help the team out, even though he probably has no idea where he is bleeding out the side of his head and, yeah, play's still going on, so at that point, yeah, just put your stick in a passing lane or something, and hopefully you can be effective, and definitely unfortunate.
1: It's like that uh, play with Daryl Sador in the 90, was it 99, Stanley like a final against the Devils when he hurt his leg on a check with, I think it was Peter Sakora, and he just basically pulled himself to the middle, of, to the front of the crease to try and block a shot if he could, and... uh Clement like lost his shit on a broadcast and Gary Thorn Thorne did too. Um but yeah, I mean it's a tough spot for the refs. Bang bang play. I'm not expecting the Canucks to stop playing or to like wait for a whistle. But you have two referees on the ice. One at center I sees basically full shot of uh Calvin getting a puck to the side of the head. He crumples instantly. It's an instant reaction. It's a bodily reaction that has nothing to do with him trying to draw a whistle or prevent a scoring opportunity. He looks up and you can see blood coming down the side of his head. you got to blow the play dead there, especially when after the shot was blocked, Vancouver wasn't immediately in a scoring play or position. So, Yeah, I mean, it was tough for everybody involved. I just think that play should have been blown dead. I'm with the abs on this one. Cake-eater. Um, I know you have a special rant for today's episode in regards to your boy, York.
0: Yeah, so just to clarify, I'm a BU guy. I I am a BU guy. I I think all the cake eaters go to BC, so I had to tee that one up when when I had the chance for you. But um, Jerry York gets inducted into the Hockey Hall of Fame this weekend. Friday night, the Bruins are playing the Maple Leafs for the Hockey Hall of Fame game. And here is this idiot, Steve Simmons, a writer, and I know that media definitely say things to get our eyes, even though they say they're, they're not going for our eyes. His quote about Jerry York, who was coaching Friday night in Burlington, Vermont, BC versus Vermont, had this to say about Jerry York not going. What an idiotic decision by Jerry York to pass on the day's festivities at the Hockey Hall of Fame so he could coach yet another U.S. college game. That's my view. You can disagree. Well, Steve Simmons, (laughs) you're a jackass. Like, Jerry York is the all-time winningest coach in the NCAA for men's hockey, just to start. I mean, does this not embody the team-first mentality, like, Well, technically, I don't really have to be there till tomorrow night because that's when I get inducted. So we have a hockey game today. I have a job to do. I'm going there tomorrow. I'll spend the day there, and I'll see you guys Sunday night or Monday. I don't see anything wrong with that, do you, for doing his job? He gets paid very handsomely to do that job.
1: Yeah, I don't think there's an issue with him turning it down. I mean, it's an invitation. It's not a requirement for you to be elected into the hall, for you to show up for the uh ceremonies on a fr- on Friday evening um, and Jerry York has always struck me as a guy who's not interested in being told how great he is um, and cam Cole, who's another Canadian sports personality, if you want to call him that uh, he agreed with Simmons he said the people who nominated him must be thrilled at how little it evidently means to him <laughs> I think that to show you those how people much in it Toronto.
0: Oh my God, those people in Toronto can take that Hockey Hall of Fame and shove it up their ass. Because you know what? That's the only fucking thing they have going. This (laughs) Leaf team, the Leafs team is shit. So are the fucking people. So are the fans. And it comes back to things like this. You know what? God forbid someone wanted to do their job. And now he's disrespecting the game and the people who did it. Like, go fuck yourself.
1: I think it's just writers being self-important again, like trying to inject themselves into a situation.
0: Oh, my God. It's unreal sometimes.
1: For me, it just boils back down to, I'm sure Jerry York thinks that this is a great honor to be inducted into the Hall of Fame. I think he understands the gravity of the situation. But instead of looking at it as, oh, he's not coming, that means he doesn't give a shit about it. They should be looking at it as, he knows that, and he's still not going because that's how much his kids mean to him. That should be the way it's looked at.
0: Yeah, um, last time I checked, you you don't self-nominate yourself for the fucking Hall, the Hockey Hall of Fame, so you called him. So, yeah, complete <laughs> disrespect. Like, shove it up your ass. That's unreal. No,
1: and I'm going to boycott
0: that mall. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, come to the Hockey Hall of Fame. We're a fucking mall in Toronto. We don't even have our own building. Joke.
1: <laughs> um. Well, from one fiery subject to another, and by fiery, I mean uh, fiery crotch Mike Babcock. Uh, Toronto struggling again, got pounded uh, against the Penguins. They're on a West Coast swing. They are currently 22 games in, 9-9-4 for 22 points, a minus six goal differential. They lost four straight. They are seven points out of first behind Boston. They are currently not in a playoff spot. The Leafs and I just have a few stats to toss away. They have one regulation win in the last nine games and only two in the last fifteen. Uh, their special teams are dead last. Both teams, penalty kill and power play, are dead last in the entire NHL over the last fifteen games. Um, they have the worst goals expected goals percentage at any time of Mike Babcock's. Uh, coaching career in Toronto at 44.3%, and they've given up the first goal in the game, a league worst, 17 times. Ooh. So there's been a lot of rumblings about should they fire Babcock, should they bring up Sheldon Key from the A. Do you think this is salvageable for Babcock, or do you think that he's just a dead man walking right now on his West Coast swing?
0: So, to me, they've had a lot of injuries. So Mm -hmm. I don't want to completely push this at Babcock because when you have that many guys kind of jumping in and jumping out of your lineup, I don't think that immediately goes to the coach. What I do see here is this, for the man who always wants to be in control and be able to do this and to do that, because even towards the end of his time in Detroit with his younger teams it still seemed like he had that that iron fist wrapped around things. Doesn't seem like he has it here anymore. No. And to me, as a GM, the biggest thing is, I'm not in that locker room, so I don't know, but Kyle Dubas would be the one to know that if he walks in there and, hey, if I fail or if I notice or if I see body language, whatever it is, that's my giveaway, that you've lost the room, you lose your job. Yes. I, I don't care if you're the best coach in the NHL. If if the guys aren't listening to you, they're not following you, it, you got to go. And speaking from experience, that same thing happened here in Boston. Julian kind of lost the room with his same usual, I don't know how he was behind the scenes with guys. Bruce Cassidy, when he comes in, he comes in and there's honesty. He doesn't completely blow guys up in the media. But if you don't have a good game, y- yeah, you know, Tori didn't have his best game tonight. Tory didn't look too good. But there's honesty. You'd have Julian in these post game interviews. Uh, yeah, you know, I, uh, you know, it's a team game. You know, guys weren't, you know, guys weren't good. Yes, I Gotta get, get it that. In a
1: hard on a four-check cycle of puck around.
0: Yeah, but it's like I, I feel like you need some sort of accountability. You don't have to completely kill guys in the media, but no. but you can call them out a little bit for the mike babcock scenario right now i don't think he's ever felt hot water like this because i don't think he's ever been gassed he's jumped to wherever he wants to go
1: yeah he's always left before he could get to pink slip
0: exactly and that was what he did that year in detroit because ken holland chased his ass all fucking summer to have him <laughs> come back he went over to the world championships everything else oh i haven't made a decision i haven't made a decision then he's going to toronto and you know what Good for this organization to pay him the most a coach has ever been paid in this league and get it shoved right up their hoop. Good for them. <laughs> for me, like you said, he they
1: have had some injuries, for, and he, his assistant coaches that are running the special teams are new, and Dave Hackstall is one of them, so who knows how great he is at any of these things.
0: Philly's um, paying Hackstall to have him blow up the special teams. He's getting <laughs> an extra bonus.
1: Um. So I understand those two scenarios there, but for me, I can't shake this feeling that it is something to do with what's going on in the locker room, and I'm not saying he's lost the team or he's lost the room. I just don't know if it's a cohesive team because you watch the way they play, it's the star players carry it. And if the star players aren't carrying it, they crumble in on themselves uh, like their last game. From And... Like you said, when he finished in Detroit, he had almost no players that were friends with him or would go to bat for him. So I wonder if after a few years in Detroit all the stress of being in a one of the biggest or the biggest media market in the National Hockey League kind of in dog years hastened that arrival much quicker than it did in Detroit. And the first crack I see in that is Tyson Barry has apparently made a trade request. Um He's not happy in Toronto. He's not happy with his usage. Uh, For the first time since 2011, he's not getting consistent minutes on the first power play uh, unit. So if you look at somebody who gets traded to Toronto, he fills a pretty gigantic need. Maybe not this shutdown right-hand shot defenseman uh, that they could use, but top pairing right-hand shot defenseman that's been their Achilles heel, heel the last few years. And he's not getting played the way that makes him successful his entire career. That's going to lead to some frustration, especially as he's entering free agency this summer. And the more he stays in Toronto not being utilized, the more millions it's costing him. And if Tyson Barry, who's new to the room, steps in there and immediately says, like, yeah, I need to get the fuck out, what does that say about the leadership in the room? Does that do the past negotiations with Moner, Matthews, and Nylander still f- kind of weigh on them in terms of Babcock didn't have my back? or he's willing to move on without us if necessary. So I don't know what's going on. I understand the injuries. I understand the special teams is not really his purview on a minute-by-minute basis within games. I just think there's something off.
0: Well, Kyle Dubas has a hell of a job on his hands because our boy up north, Shrediso, I had talked to him (laughs) last week, and he was saying that he still believes it, and he said this from the beginning that he doesn't think that Dubis was the right guy for that job. Not old enough. Not enough experience. Not enough cojones to deal with a the lineup, some of the guys in it, but b someone like Babcock because Babcock wants to pull all the strings and everything else. So, uh, maybe I, Channing should have stayed around. Maybe, but but I I get this part of it too, where you have the hardest decision because arguably. I mean, he, he's the only coach for Team Canada the last couple of years. He is the best coach in the National Hockey League. Mm. I personally don't believe it, but that is the way it's pushed out there. He is the best coach in the National Hockey League. He gets paid that way. He's the head coach of Team Canada anytime the Olympics, the World Championships, the the World Cup of Hockey. He is the head coach for Canada. That's yeah. the guy. So now. I mean, where do you go to? So you're going to gas him and go with Sheldon Keith. And no disrespect to Sheldon Keith. I think he's a great coach and you brought it up when we had talked about Babcock in the in the season preview about they signed him a two-year extension just in case they were going to have to cross this bridge. And yep. I think if even if Babcock is safe right now, this year they get to the playoffs and they have another first round exit, I think he's done. Yeah. Done in well, Toronto. That's even if
1: they make the playoffs, because for them to match their point total from last year of 100 points, they have to play 650 hockey. So they need to go some form combination of 35, 17, and 8. So that amount of points to get to what really were last year. And I don't know if they have 650 hockey in them for the remainder of the year.
0: And this is a better team this year, right?
1: Yeah, well... The curse of Cody CC, I warned him. <laughs> I warned him. But, uh, yeah, we'll see what happens to Toronto. I know they're playing uh, Vegas, I think, tomorrow night. If they get curbs up there, maybe he doesn't get on
0: a uh, flight to the next city. Dude, I wonder if they, like, Gerard Galantham, too. <laughs> they, like, they them? Do, yeah, like, you know, you got to get your own taxi. You and your assistant have a great time, XOXO. <laughs> uh,
1: moving on to another, quote-unquote, best coach in the entire nhl joel quenville now the florida panthers get gets his 900th career win he's obviously second all time behind scotty bowman which got me thinking you know we can blow smoke up coach q's ass for the next five ten minutes if he wanted to i think it'd be interesting to just kind of put in a perspective and i'm going to make a suggestion here let's leave scotty bowman out of this discussion because obviously he would be included for everybody Outside of Bowman, and I texted you this earlier, so I'm curious what your thoughts are. In our lifetimes, and I'll just say from 1990 till now, who are the top three or four coaches, in your opinion, over that time span?
0: See the the problem is that some of these guys, like I, I know it was during our time span, but some of these guys, like their heyday, was a little bit earlier. So, mm. so, one guy I have on mine is Pat Burns. I, I think Pat Burns was phenomenal. Everywhere he went, he established his system and it worked. And it's awesome, too, that he was a fucking Canadian Mountie that became an NHL coach. <laughs> like, just the whole story behind Pat Burns. And you, you hear the stories from other people. Like, just an all around great guy. And one other guy, and it might surprise you, he gets a lot of shit. But he has a lot of wins. Ken Hitchcock, he did it very well. Uh, I'm actually surprised as to, you hear that, you know, guys would give it back to him on the bench and this, that, the other thing. But his wins prove it. Like, he's a very good coach. And then if you look at down the line, one other person it may surprise you, I, I, I go this way, but. Lindy Ruff, he, he had his tenure there oh, yeah. in Buffalo for a long time. But, but he was another guy that, I mean, he, he held his end of the bargain. Like he, he had that team in tip-top shape for a long time. And I know currently he's an assistant with you guys, right, in New York? Yep, and helping with the PK. So he's an assistant in New York. And, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if he ever got another head coaching job, depending yeah. on where things go. I feel like he's going to get another opportunity.
1: He's not going to be an assistant coach forever now.
0: No. And uh, one last person. What was that I just gave you? Was that two or three? Was that three? That was three. And All that's right. why I initially I said a three, but I added a
1: fourth one because I know you're going to add an extra one.
0: You know one person. <laughs> I always have to go on extra. And uh, our boy, Iron Mike Keenan. Like, talk about, like, an absolute nut job mental <laughs> case. But yet again, he gets the wins. So it's just one of those things of – I don't know if it's like the old coaching way compared to the new one, but Coach Q is one of those guys that I feel like is a perfect blend of old and new that he's able to get the room, he's able to get the results, he's able to get the boys behind him, where I feel like Mike Keenan was a complete nutcase, and guys would come in and they'd play scared, but it was a good playing scared because he would control that locker room. He would control the players. And then on the other end, he would get results. So I just feel like th- there's different ways to go about it. And I think coach cues that kind of middle guy. Cause like, could you imagine imagine being in the Coach Q crosshairs, like the stash <laughs> gets all fucking wrinkly, you can tell that voice is getting deep, like the eyebrows like Oh yeah, dude. Like you can see it when he gets fired up. So to me it's just like I'd love to play for Q, Coach Q. I think he's a phenomenal guy. And you always hear these great stories about him too. So
1: Yeah, he seems like a great guy off the ice. Even if he gets on your ass, he's gonna have your back uh pretty much the entire time you're whatever team he's with. Uh, for me, you know, this whole discussion is because of him, so Coach Q's automatically on the list. I went in a little bit of a different direction. So one agreement that we have is I put Hitchcock on there as well, just because our heyday of our childhood was basically watching Gary Thorne and Bill Clement talk about, can Hitchcock coach teams in the playoffs and going for the conference final or Stanley Cup? seemingly every year, so he's up there. The other two, I also went with a Pat, but not Pat Burns. I went with Pat Quinn.
0: Pat Quinn, well played.
1: Yep, so six all-time wins list. I went to the Stanley Cup Final, obviously, with the Canucks in 94. I forget who they lost to. Do you know who won the 94 Stanley Cup?
0: I don't recall. Uh, yeah. I don't think there. I was born yet. <laughs> um,
1: and the last one I have on the list, you know, I kind of went back and forth between Burns, uh, Babcock, uh, Torts, Roger Nielsen, Bruce Boudreaux, but I settled on Barry Trotz. I like Barry Trotz, too, yeah. Just because, I mean, Stanley Cup champion, he's always had under, I put it this way, understaffed or under-talented teams and contention, seemingly year in and year out and playing above their head, and I think the last year and a half with the Islanders has just Kind of sealed that deal for me in the sense of, you can put you can have him coach a wee team and the peewee team's going to start dominating defensively. So I put him on that top three or four list for me.
0: So so anytime they could just go in and lock it down, you're in. Uh, yeah, left wing lock teaching uh, to six year olds. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what else do? We, oh, we got a good one. Yeah,
1: we got a good one. Here is the one that I know you were looking forward to.
0: Yeah, so I I came across this earlier in this week i sent it to benny when did we record last tuesday i think it was the day after i saw this it yep. was wednesday it was whenever andrew ladd got waved and this thing came across the radar and i'm like oh i've sent it that to him. we gotta talk about this so our question to you our discussion is july 1st 2016 is this the worst free agent signing class of all time We have Milan Lucic, seven years, 42 million. Kyle Ocposo, seven years, 42 million. And he's out with another concussion, by the way. Uh, Yes, I saw that today. Andrew Ladd, seven years, 38.5 million currently waived. Louis (laughs) Erickson, six years, 36 million. Franz Nielsen, six years, 31.5. David Backus, I live it every day, five years, (laughs) 30 million. Darren Helm, five years, 19.25. Troy Brower, four years, 18 million. James Reimer, five years, 17 million. What do you think? So
1: first of all, I just want to congratulate the New York Rangers for finally not being on one of these lists. <laughs> uh, it's been a long time coming, you know, really struggled, especially in the dark years of the late 90s and early 2000s. But we made it, baby. <laughs> Um, the second thing I want to say before I give my pick as the worst contract out of those you just listed is I can't wait to hear Spint and Chicklets discuss this in about two or three weeks since they're always on our ass um, but for my pick I'm going to go You know, the obvious one is Looch because he, along with how close was given the most years and most money Ladd was bought out but I'm going to go Louis Erickson six years 36 million as the worst out of them, and I know you can. everybody can... Any one of these guys could be the worst contract out of the bunch. Let's just say that. The reason why I'm going Louis is because he was supposed to be that guy that extended the Sedin run by playing on a wing, slash when the Sedins were gone, it'd be that bridge to the next crop of young Canucks stars. And the only bridge she is, is the bridge to nowhere, because not only does he not score, he's Sucks defensively. He's soft as shit, and he doesn't give you anything else. At least Luch can punch somebody in the face for you and draw some attention. At, Poso, at least he goes on LTIR and gets off the cap hit. Brower is a PTO at this point. Rymer's a decent, only 5-year 17 mil. Decent back goaltender. Backus, I know you have to live that nightmare every day, but like I said, he, he reinvented himself as a fourth line grinder slash fighter. He's given something. Louis Erickson gives you shit. So that's my
0: pick. All right. Uh, one thing about here is, so Milan Lucic signs that deal, and Louis Erickson signs his deal. Lucic goes to Edmonton, where Pierre Chiarelli is there. He got gas that year from the Bruins, and he ended up getting the Edmonton job, and he signed Milan Lucic, an ex-Bruin, who he has the connection with. Louis Erickson goes to Vancouver. Guess who got the job <laughs> there? Jim Benning, the assistant GM in Boston. So they all had connections. They went to where they deemed suitable. I'm with you. I mean, the Luchich one was tough because I feel like alongside David Krejci, he always put up fantastic numbers. Like like Luch was a legitimate 50, 60 point a year guy. Yeah. So did he fall off? Yeah, I think so. But at the same time, you can't put him with Connor McDavid. Like you could have him in the lineup <laughs> to protect him, but there's yeah. no way he can skate and keep up with McDavid. Like th- there's probably only a three players in this league straight up and down that can do it. And one of them is already on his team. Dude, one of them's on his team. McKinnon straight ahead probably about the same. Crosby's close, probably like a step behind, not as fast. Carl Hagelin, <laughs> Carl Hagelin, but, you know, he doesn't use it as much as he should. Chris Kreider has one of the best yep. one-two disappearing strides, and, like, he's gone. Like, the Rockets yep. are on, and he's gone. But um,
1: he hasn't used that since the uh, playoff run in 2016, 2017.
0: Oh, it's unfortunate, man. He, he was such a beautiful skater. I remember when he was at Phillips Exeter, and uh, well, Phillips Andover, down the road here, and I'd watch him play, and I was like, wow, this kid can fucking fly. Yeah, the only time he uses it now is when I was
1: at the game with the Garden against the Sabres is when he wants to blow a tire and just fucking cream into the goalie
0: again. <laughs> uh, to, <laughs> so it wasn't against the Canadians? He didn't He didn't go after Pricer that night?
1: No, he's he's trying to get at least one goalie from every franchise before he hangs them up. Hey,
0: well, you know, you got to strive for something. <laughs> uh, But worst one, I, I almost wonder, like, I know I live the backest one every day, but like you said, he kind of reinvented himself. Did the St. Louis Blues have some insider trading to just be like, well, you know what, we're going to let our captain go at 27, we're good. And you're like, oh, my God, they're letting him go to the captain of the franchise. And it's like Dougie Armstrong picked the perfect time to just walk away. And, fuck, he he proved it. He he knew what he was talking about by going a different way, but ouch.
1: Yeah, it's like the Bill Walsh saying of you always want to – let a player go a year too early than a year too late.
0: Yeah, I'm looking at this thing. I don't know who's the worst.
1: <laughs> all right, you have a gun to your head. You have to pick one in the next ten seconds. Who you got? Uh, There's no wrong answer here. They all suck.
0: <laughs> I know. Like it's just like hard trying to pick like the absolute worst. I mean, if you look at money, like I guess seven and forty-two for Luch is bad, but. At the same time Andrew Ladd's was bad, seven and thirty eight five, like
1: ugh. You're always gonna ride shotgun every play as Hokposo uh with JT.
0: Yeah, that worked out good. Yeah, I'm going the Andrew Ladd. <laughs>
1: Alright. Not a bad pick. And like I said earlier, each one of these is just a audible groan whenever you see it as a hockey fan.
0: Yeah, it was, it was like someone was like fucking using my balls as a speed bag. <laughs> like it's like which one are you picking? Like, oh god, I don't know
1: talking about the feeling of having your balls used as a speedback it's time for Bruins and Rangers we can review my friends oh perfect I know that your boys have been struggling a little bit after that long extended hot streak that they had I mean for me my Rangers absolutely got curb stomped in uh, Tampa Bay on the 14th uh, but you can kick this off
0: my Bruins. Yeah, I know. I I see the standings, too. I know where they stand. Everyone, what are you worried about? They're first in the Atlantic, 29 points, 12-3-5. What I'm worried about is their fall apart. I, I talked about it last week. Their 60 minutes is essential for them to be able to win games. They played a great game Saturday night against the Washington Capitals. Want to know what the problem was? They played 58 minutes, not 60. And it ended up costing them the game. Same thing with Florida. We were recording the Florida night. And I go upstairs after to see. They got four unanswered on us, and they came back and they won. Actually, it was five unanswered.
1: Yeah, wasn't it four-nothing? Yeah, it was
0: four-nothing at the end of the second while we were recording. Yep. And, uh. It's just incredible to me, and and you can't blame the goaltenders because they're in the top ten, the, the two of them in save percentage. The five overtime shootout losses scare me a little bit just because in this league, that's where you end up going, and I mean, we've lost three shootouts in the past yeah. week. It's just Bergeron has a nagging injury. They won't say what it is. I'm guessing it's the groin, probably just preventative, yep. make them, you know. His load management, yeah. His load management.
1: Gotta get his wife involved.
0: Yeah, a little, a little deep tissue. Marshand and Pasternak still like look like they're killing it. I just think we're relying an extreme a lot on them. Going to the next point. Charlie Coyle had a very good week this week. It looked great it around the net. Great around the net. I think he's getting a little chemistry with Anders Bjork. I'll I'll take it. Going to the back end, Charlie McAvoy has the best. I'm trying to say this the best way I can. He has the best and worst looks of all time. Like he could be going and then just be lagging, coming back, and then someone can get a pass, go wide and go right around him and right into the net. And then there's other times where he just kind of like doesn't even look and he sniffs that shit right out and he like p- takes a perfect angle and he takes the guy right out of the play. And I'm like, you are just like such a riverboat gambler. You scare the shit out of me a little bit. I'm not going to lie. But at the same time in the past week, I feel like he's finally hit that elite defenseman level. Like Like the offense has been there. He looks really comfortable. I need this team to play 60 minutes. I need this team to contribute offensively outside of the big boys and I'll feel a lot more comfortable.
1: But for right now, any word on when that group
0: comes back? They still have not said that. So just casually waiting. And that's killing our power play. Like he is so good on that power play. He gives you such a different look and once as he starts walking that blue line with the puck, it's like, "All right, boys." He's either shooting or he's giving a pass here and one's going there and it's going right in the back of the net, like just the confidence level. And I understand that's a chemistry. Like you're not just going to have chemistry instantly, especially if, hey, if I'm Matt Grizzlick and I've been running PP2 with X, like certain guys, and now I yeah. go up to PP1 and now I have these other guys, like it's not just going to happen. So I understand that part of it. I just, Tori, come back.
1: Maybe it's come and kind see of for you guys because you know you guys can turn that on whenever you want. look how you started the year. It's just
0: well, that's the thing too. like like you said, we were shit stomping teams yep. and the problem was this: we still weren't playing 60 minute games, but we were so good that it didn't matter. Now it's like you're a couple games deeper into the year. teams are starting to turn it around kind of seeing where they fall into the pack. Other teams have chemistry, and it shows. And granted, Washington's a great team. But for a team like us who's had plenty of problems with Washington, like that's a game that we need just off confidence alone. Like we can't lose that game, especially the way that we did. So that's what makes that that much worse. So that one still stings a little bit. We're on to, I don't know, we're on to this week.
1: All right. Well, for the boys down here in Manhattan, I've got to admit, I've watched four and a half periods of Rangers hockey since we recorded. Um, I watched the Rangers win over to Pittsburgh in OT last Tuesday. I watched half a period of or three quarters of the first period against Tampa, and they were already down 3 4 nothing, and they were just not going to look good. They ended up losing 9-3. Uh, I have a quote from David Quinn that kind of backs up what I said last week during the Rangers Weekend Review about the young team and how they kind of crumble as soon as something goes wrong. I did not see the game against Florida. Uh, they lost 4-3. Um, but for me, just going back and watching some of the highlights and reading some of the quotes and the B guys, what's really sticking out besides what I'm going to read to you about what Quinn said is the goaltending is just very inconsistent from the game to game. Um, Lundqvist still hasn't really found his footing, and I know he's always been a guy who's thrived on consistent work and heavy workloads, and he's just not getting that to start the year because they wanted to give uh, Giorgia some time, and they wanted to not run Hank into the ground, especially at age 37. Uh, But I think they're going to have to get to a point where they're going to have to play him four out of six, four, four out of five, just to see if he can get a rhythm. Because they're not punting this season. They want to contend for a playoff spot. And you're not going to do that with Lundqvist playing at 75% of what he's capable of. And if the worst case scenario is you play him four out of five for the next month and a half, two months, and nothing changes, then you know, okay, we need to start turning the range over to the kid behind him and see if he can carry us to a potential playoff spot. The other thing is, Mika Zibanejad still hasn't played. He's been out for about two weeks now. Uh, no concussion. Well, more than two weeks now, it seems like. No concussion. It's a neck injury. He's been skating on his own. Some light practice work. so he's getting closer. Um, they already rolled him out for Wednesday's game against the Caps, so maybe on the upcoming road trip when they swing through Ottawa and Montreal, you'll, you'll see him back on the ice there. But the main takeaway is kind of reinforcing what I said last week when you asked me about the youth of the team. And I said, if things are going right, they start playing better, they have more confidence, and they look good. But as soon as something goes wrong, whether it's a blown coverage or a shitty call going against them or a fluke goal being scored, they just fall apart. And after the 9-3 drubbing against the Lightning, Quinn said after the game, quote, Yeah, listen, we have shown this tendency in the short season so far when things don't go well, we don't make them better. When things go bad, when you've got frustrating situations, you've got to find a way to make them better. Really, as much as this league is about your physical skill, it's about your mental skill. I don't know whether it's our youth or immaturity or what, but unfortunately, in the short season we've had, we haven't done a great job when things aren't going great, stopping it and making it better, end quote. And that just reinforces my feeling on the season so far. And this is going to happen when you have a team full of 20, 21, 22, 23-year-olds. I mean, Jacob Truba is your number one defenseman. I know he has experience, but he's still 25. So it's a very young team outside of Mark Saul and Hank. So that's going to happen. But this is kind of a fork in the road in terms of this team's identity, mentality moving forward in prospect development. Does Quinn have it in him? to not just say what they need to do, but show them what they need to do about being mentally strong. And that's a question that remains unanswered right now.
0: Is the hardest part for you as a fan just like, like you said, there is so much talent on this team. They're just young. So like this year might be very rocky, but next year you're like, hey, everyone has experience now. Now it's kind of go and get it.
1: Yeah, I mean, that's the exciting part. I I just feel bad because now you're looking at next year as an organization that's when Lundqvist is 38 and you have Georgiev in goal and then you have the hot shot in the A who um, Igor the Great is what I call him that's knocking on the door. So are you going to carry three goalies to start next year? So that's one minor side concern. The main thing for me is, yeah, they have talent and they should be better next year when they have a full year of experience, this is all invaluable. But for me, and you've seen it too, as a Bruins fan, but just fans of the league, there are a lot of young, talented guys that never turned that corner because their development was stunted because they were either brought to the league too soon or they just never were able to get up to game speed or recover from mental issues in their first or second years. And that's my biggest concern about, is this system, is this coaching staff in New York doing enough to make sure that, yeah, we're going to get stomped by very good quality teams. We're not going to play consistent this year. We're going to have a lot of growing pains. But is that growing pains leading to something? And right now I don't know what the answer is in terms of Quinn and his coaching staff.
0: That's the hard, That's the hardest part. Is it yeah. coming to something? I don't know. We've got to find out later on.
1: Like you know how much it would suck to have – this rebuild and you got a couple good young kids in the cupboard and then because of mismanagement or whatever, they just never amount to what you thought it would be. And now the rebuild is even longer. Like that is brutal.
0: That, yeah, that's tough,
1: (laughs) but hopefully we don't have to worry about that here in New York. Um, do you want to move on to game of the week? Lock of the week?
0: Let's do it. Um, you want to go? You want me to go?
1: I'll kick off because that's the only thing I'm leading anytime soon. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, I Like I did last week, I'm not giving the current standings for a lot of the week. Let's just say that if Kevin and I are running a timed mile, he's already at the finish line, and I didn't even know that the gun went off. <laughs> um, but I'll go game of the week first. My game of the week pick is tomorrow, Tuesday the 19th. The Edmonton Oilers against the San Jose Sharks. Oilers are still holding on to first place on the Pacific. And San Jose has now won six in a row. So it looks like they're kind of finding their footing and turning their season around, despite Martin Jones in goal. Um, so it's going to be interesting to see if San Jose gets a very decisive win tomorrow night, if that's kind of signals to the rest of the division, all right, you had your fun. Now let the big boys come up. Um, block of the week you know i haven't found a winning formula at all all year <laughs> so now i'm really grasping for straws sure. so what i'm going to do is i'm going to extend an olive branch to all of my friends and brothers in new england and i'm going to pick this coming saturday the 23rd the boston bruins on the road against the minnesota wild and for the last time in my life i will say boston help me out <laughs>
0: well it's funny that uh we have two of the same teams in the same spot so my game of the week is sunday night 11 edmonton at arizona both one and two at the top of the pacific i think that'll be a very nice game to watch see if arizona can uh contain mcdavid and then for lock of the week i have 11 i have colorado at minnesota so funny that we're both uh, hoping the same team loses
1: yeah i say like, thanks minnesota hopefully yeah, uh, we can only hope. For today in NHL history, I got one and a half nuggets for you. I'm going to go all the way back to 1926, which is the last year that I got a block of the week pick right. Uh, Detroit's new NHL franchise known as the Cougars plays its first game but loses 2 nothing to the Bruins. The game is played before 6,000 fans at the Border Cities Arena. Arena in Windsor, Ontario. All of Detroit's home games during its first season are played in Windsor, and Olympia Stadium in Detroit opens in time for the following season in 1927. On the same night in 1926, the Montreal Canadiens make the form their permanent home, and that's, that remains their home for the following 70 years. And that just blows my mind that after 25 years, they didn't petition the taxpayers for a new arena. <laughs>
0: Who do you have for shout-outs this week?
1: <laughs> uh, shout-outs this week. Um, first Lady, of course. Um, I've been killing it with the homemade meals lately, especially in the soup and chili-type weather. I'm also going to give a preemptive shout-out to the Bruins for helping me get off the schneid here.
0: Wow, I like it. Um, I'm going with a big shout-out this week to uh, Big Kevin, his buddy Murph, because... Big Kevin Murph growing up, BFFFFs, uh, recently reconnected, all good. Murph does very well for himself, lives in the city. And, um, Benny, we'll see you February 16th, Sunday in New York, because uh, we're going the game.
1: Well, I don't know where you're staying but B- big kev can sleep in bed with me anytime
0: he wants <laughs> uh, well if big kev's going with you i guess i'll just have to be at i'll just have to stay at lexington at park Ave and, over, <laughs> and, and overlook that that big park in new york
1: okay i mean i wouldn't want to do that to you so you can stay no flushing
0: well i was gonna say uh murph did say there's a whole bunch of good <laughs> I- irish bars in queens so i'm excited to uh go and partake in uh who knows maybe yeah, we we'll, will get more out of it. maybe we will get some more company. I mean uh the 17th the Monday is a holiday so I mean technically we could go out the 16th after the game and just rip it up have maybe a boys weekend maybe we can get uh a, a little strat daddy maybe we'll get a little greggy to come over the river and come hang with us. I know he hates Ranger people but you know <laughs> maybe he'll come hang out with us. We'll see. He, he doesn't hate Ranger people. He hates me. <laughs> <laughs> um very valid point yeah
1: i mean if strati wants to come down big Big sexy wants to come down that's all fine i will say that if you want to make a weekend out of it i will request on her behalf that you put aside some special time for us to give you a flushing food tour of all the asian restaurants that we have basically a block away from us
0: dude i don't give a fuck i love to eat let's go
1: (laughs) (laughs) so that's that should be like a shirt i'm gonna get you i don't give a fuck i love to eat. <laughs> yeah that's
0: that, that's the way that is yeah no um if we do a whole weekend we could do well maybe we'll get there either friday night or saturday morning we'll do the saturday morning queens tour and then uh we'll we'll do the sunday city tour and then we'll see where monday gives us besides a hangover so um, yeah, yeah
1: exactly that sounds good to me um We'll figure out lodging and accommodations at a future date. Yeah, (laughs)
0: when we get a little bit closer, when we figure out where everyone's going to end up. Well, Perfect. I'm excited. That's finally out in the open. Everybody, thank you for listening. And we will catch all you guys next week for another action-packed episode of 2, 5, and 10. We love you all, and we will catch you then. Bye-bye. Third string dreamer on a second place team But I was hell on wheels with a full heavy steam When coach put me in And I'm still prouder that hit. I was the last resort to go to prom with the queen Thanks to an ex-boyfriend who broke her heart that week No, I didn't give up, But I still felt like a king and then my not mean much to you, but it does to me. So say I'm in middle of the road, not much to show, underachieving, average joke, but I'm.